It's that time. No, that's right. Yes. If you are tuned in, then you have now positioned yourself to become undeniable in your pursuit of personal, professional, and spiritual excellence. Now, I hope you are pursuing excellence, but if you are not making an impact with your life, then you have come to the right place today. All right. Welcome to this No Excuses episode of Become Undeniable. I am your new favorite host, Brad Austin, killing it on the mic and as always, keeping it real no matter whose feelings it hurts while providing undeniable value to you every step of the way. Excuses. Hmm. Excuses are toxic, and we are all guilty of creating them, using them, maybe even allowing them to hinder us from pursuing excellence and living a life of impact. I say it all the time, and I mean it. So what are some of the excuses that you've come up with? Hmm? Don't have the money. Can't get can't get out of a rough neighborhood. Maybe my family's holding me back. My friends are holding me back. What has been your excuse? We've all made them. Point is, we have all allowed excuses to hinder our progress at one point or another, right? But my special guest guest today is going to make you take a hard look at yourself. And give you plenty of reasons as to why making excuses is no longer an acceptable practice in your life. Mr. Jorge Contreras, he's a real estate investor, an Airbnb coach, and he is passionate about helping people create time, financial, and location freedom with Airbnb and real estate investing. This dude retired at age 29, became a millionaire by age 30 and now earns seven figures with his Airbnb business. Can't wait to get to that, by the way. Jorge Contreras, what's up, my brother? How are you? What's going on, Brad? I'm excited, man. Thank you for having me here on the Become Undeniable podcast. Super excited for this opportunity. Yeah, man, I'm excited to have you here. And and I kind of wish I would have met you about 15 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I'd I'd be right there with you. Oh, man. So... Jorge, I um, some many times in interviews like this, I like to kind of paint a picture, tell a story because that's what really draws people in. And, and man, have you got have you got a story to tell, bro? From what 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 we've talked about previously, I mean, you didn't have what people might call a privileged upbringing, right? So, man, I, if you would tell me about the challenges you grew up in, all right, and if you would please. Take your time um, because I, I, I really, really want the audience to understand and really take in the struggles that you had to go through and the struggles that you endured, many of which were not of your own doing. So I would, I would just take your time, brother. Fill us in, please. Absolutely, man. Uh, an upbringing full of challenges and obstacles, which I believe have truly molded me into the person that I have become. But just to take you guys back. I went attended my very first funeral when I was five years young for one of my brothers who was murdered due to a gang related um, things. Uh, wow. When I was seven years young, uh, I started selling drugs with my dad. Um, he also was an alcoholic his entire life. And when I was seven, the doctor told him that if he wanted to see his youngest son, Jorjito, grow up, 
he needed to stop drinking, but the damage was too far and too much because he was an alcoholic his entire life. So when I was 12, um, he passed away from alcohol. Uh, when I was 10, I was also smuggling people across into the, into the U.S. from Tijuana, Mexico, into the U.S. with my parents and one of my other brothers. And then shortly after my dad passed away, my mom abandoned me when I was 13. Uh, when my dad passed, passed away, I was 12. My sister was 14 and pregnant. My other brother was two years older than her. My other sister was two years older than him. But everybody was out of the house with kids. Uh, out of eight brothers and sisters, no, I'm the only one who graduated high school. Um, so definitely just a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles, Brad. But like I said, uh, I truly believe that if I hadn't gone through all that hardship, I would have... Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have appreciated everything that I've been able to create. I feel that if I had, if, if I was a trust fund baby, or if I had everything handed, I would just be like an, an ungrateful rich kid that it, it has money because of, you know, his parents pass it down. Uh, but it was the exact opposite. Everything that I have built, um, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of all my mentors and role models that I've had in my entire life that guided me to a better life. But that's a little bit about my background there, Brad. Bro, there's that's more than just a little bit, <laughs> man. I mean, when when you say when you talk to people and say, "Tell me your story," you you don't expect to hear all of that, man. Yeah. You talk. I mean, is it fair to say you did not have great role models growing up? <laughs> Holy smokes! Yeah, you know, I think um, you know that you always hear this example. Like there could have been these two twin brothers that live completely different lives and for the exact same reason. And so I feel that when I was going through all these challenges and obstacles, I was living from this victim, this place where it was like, things are happening uh, to me and I have mm. no control and my life will be a result of the cards that I have been, that I have been dealt. Right. I, I didn't know that I had the ability, the capability to change my life until I had my first role model Shortly after my dad passed away, his name is Mr. Parcell. He was my substitute seventh grade teacher. He knew everything that I just mentioned. And one day he came and, um, you know, because I was a very disruptive kid and I would miss school and I would ditch school and had bad grades and, you know, not the best character. And I was just kind of taking out my pain and anger to the world. And I was always getting in trouble. So one day he just came at eye level and he kneeled down uh, as I was sitting in my desk, Brad. And he said, Jorge, you don't have to be a product of your environment. You don't have mm -hmm. to repeat the patterns from your father and your brother. He said, you have the ability to set a new standard for your younger siblings. He said, you can change your life and you can change the world. And here I am, 12 years old, sitting in classroom like, what? Like, I can change my situation? Mm -hmm. Like, Again, I didn't know that I had the ability to change and create a different life. So from then on, I always seeked role models. I, always, I didn't know what a mentor was back then. So I was just referred to like role models, people that could give me a better example. And then going back to what you said earlier, Brad, is up until that point, I was a victim to my story. And now because of those challenges, because of those obstacles, because of that, all those hardships, it's made me appreciate um, everything from health, family, uh, business, opportunities, my ability to now impact, you know, hundreds of thousands and eventually millions of other people. So I'm grateful 
of all the experiences that I had, because again, they, they built the character that I have today. Wow. Well, what was the, what was the name of that, uh, that teacher that knelt down and, and, and gave you those, yeah. those powerful words? Mr. Parcell. Mr. Parcell, man, I want to give a shout out to Mr. Parcell right <laughs> now. I hope you will pass this on to him. Let him hear it, man, because that guy, that yeah. guy deserves mad props recognition for, for just for kneeling down, man, for yeah. kneeling down, getting at your level. And he knew the importance of that, right? Yeah. It's boy, yeah. man, that yeah. is, whew, that is powerful, bro. That is powerful. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that throughout this conversation, we, we, we will all come to recognize that you may owe that man your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, you know, he knows that I went back maybe about 10 years later, I went back to the school and, uh, you know, I gave him a hug and I thanked him for changing my life. And I spoke to all his students and of course I broke down and I was just so grateful. And it was just like a, a very beautiful moment, but he's somebody that I reference at all, all the time, even, um, uh, you know, in my book, uh, my best-selling Amazon book, I, I talk about Mr. Parcel. I talk about my life um, and everything. And so he knows how much of an impact. Um, I, now it's been about 13 years since I paid him a visit. So it would be great to pay him another visit. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. And how, I mean, when you're, when I'm hearing you say that, it just, I'm thinking to myself, okay, how many more people need that kind of role model to kneel down in front of them or to look them in the eye and, and say powerful words to them, right? How many more? And, and I think it, it is incumbent upon people like us to become the Mr. Parcells of today and of tomorrow, right? Yeah. And to help other people start achieving their greatness, which is one of the things I really, really hope to do with this show. And so I think I'm, I'm grateful that you're here, Jorge, in the midst of all the tragedy, bro. Um, I, I will, I've said it before on my show, but I, I'll tell you, we have a, a, another point of commonality here in, in, in the abandonment side of things where, um, again, this is not really to, to hack on my family members or anything, but I mean, my mother had a similar problem. She was into drugs and alcohol way back in the day when I was a child and, and I woke up one morning, mom was gone. So there, there comes that abandonment issue and I, and I wasn't selling drugs, but I mean, by the grace of God, it was, I, I, I was taken down a different path. But I could have been. I could have ended up in, in Jacksonville, Florida, selling drugs with her. I, I don't know. And so it just it's just amazing. Man, I, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you, bro. Yeah. I really can't. Because yeah. you're after all of that. It's crazy, man. Okay. Whew. Boy, this is gonna be a powerful show. I can't I can't wait to get into it some more. So let's do that. So Mr. Parcells gave you those words, and I think that started. You know, at 12 years old, you're, you're still not able to kind of set go on your own path yet, right? You're still a youngster. You're still right. with your family, etc. Um, but I'm curious as to um, what that catalyst was after Mr. Parcells that helped you turn the corner from continuing a life of, of destitution to pursuing a life of excellence. What was that catalyst, man, that helped you turn that corner? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a couple different um, – I would say there's like three – three phases that I experienced where that they were all different catalysts. And even in between, there was just a lot of role models, a lot of people that I attracted uh, to my life, a lot of uh, very important people in my life today that back then uh, were also catalysts. But the first one is that 
about in 2012, I was introduced to the secret, right? The law of attraction, realizing that, you know, everything happens twice, first in the mind and then in reality. If you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand and you are the architect of your life. Like it just, um, you know, solidified what Mr. Parcel had told me, but except this time it's, you know, you know, um, however many years later, but it's about 10 years ago. And so when I saw that documentary and I read the book and started watching more videos, I was like, wow, I really do have the ability to change my life. So that was, that was like another phase. And then, um, the next one was when I joined the rich dad, poor dad, uh, real estate education program. It was a two-year program. Um, I invested like $35,000 to learn from multimillionaires about real estate investing and the biggest thing that I learned, it was all mindset, just thinking very different. It was all about personal development and mindset, learning how to use debt to create wealth. Like it was just changing my poor fear, fear-based scarcity mindset to like an mm. abundant mindset. Um, that was like another one. But then the third one, and probably the most impactful out of everything combined is I went through a training uh, in Los Angeles called MITT, which stands for Mastery in Transformational Training. And when I walked into this training that a lot of my friends and even some of my dance students back then, they were talking about this training. Um, I was sitting there uh, towards the front because I always like to sit in the front. I always believe that no one needs this more than I do. And when I walked in there, Brad, I had this belief that who I am is getting in the way of who I want to become, right? It's like, mm. I'm in the way of who I want to become. And then the trainer corrected me and he said, actually, Jorge, he said, who you have become is getting in the way of who you've always been, right? Mm -hmm. So he said, who you Makes have sense. become is getting in the way of who you've always been. And so I sat there with the confused look and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. He said, yeah, when you were three years old, he said, what did you guys have that you don't have right now? And people started throwing all these different words. And he finally says, freedom. He said, when you were three years old, he said, like, you don't, you, you just didn't care. Like you were completely free. If you fell off your bike, you got up, you didn't care what people thought about you. Like you didn't have all this trauma or limiting beliefs or fear or scarcity. Like you were, you just had complete freedom. He said, but after that, he said, you experience all these challenges, right? Like, you know, my brother passed away, the alcoholic selling drugs, the smuggling, my dad passing away, my mom abandoned me. And so all these experiences, I gave these experiences a meaning, right? And, and a lot of those meanings were, um, if I let anybody close to me, whether it's in personal relationships or business relationships, if I allow anybody in, they're just going to leave me. Because mm -hmm. if my father left me, who was the most important person that I looked up to at that point, why would anybody else stick around, right? So it created this, this, uh, this conversation of unworthy, like I'm not worthy of great relationships. And I look back and there were so many people, Brad, that I attracted into my life that actually wanted to help me grow personally and in business, but I pushed them away. I kept everybody at arm's distance. I never uh, was in two feet in fully committed into any intimate relationships. Like I just had this belief that if I let them in, eventually they're going to leave me. I didn't believe in marriage. I didn't want to have kids. Like it was all the, all the, like I was just really, you know, really effed up. It's the best way to say it. And so when I went to these trainings, I was able to face and relive each and every one of those experiences in such a way where I was able to change the meaning that I had given those experiences 
and therefore I was able to like in a in in, in a sense shed all, all this armor that I was wearing where I was protecting myself at all times and I wouldn't let anybody in and I always had walls up and I didn't trust anybody um and then after that training it was a four month training I was able to experience complete freedom and then now that's the way that I can have continued to live my life and it's been uh, that was in 2016 when I went through those trainings and that was a, a life-changing experience. Wow. So, okay. So I always like to get people's perspective on this one piece that I'm going to, you know, shift on a little bit and then we'll go back to the other stuff, but it's the people who have not turned that corner that I spoke of a second ago, they haven't experienced that catalyst to put them on a different path. Um, Really and truly what they are lacking, in my opinion, is the, is the, the changing of the mindset, right? Yeah. If you are in, like you said, you didn't know any better, right? Mr. Parcell said what he said to you. You didn't know any better. You, you kept on going. And so what, what, is, what is your word, words of wisdom to people who are maybe stuck, right? Who maybe are listening to this and, and can honestly say to themselves, you know what? I'm prob- my mindset's off. It's not where it needs to be. It's probably what's holding me back. I consider myself a victim. I make excuses, yada, yada. What would you, what practical things can they do coming from Mr. Contreras to, to really start changing that now? Yeah, I believe that the number one reason when someone feels stuck in any aspect of life, it's 100% because of their environment and the circle of people that they are around. You see, most people don't have a circle. They have a cage and they're Mm. surrounded by people who don't inspire them, who don't motivate them, who don't want them to become the greatest version of themselves. They just want them to play it safe. Don't take risk and just stay at their, you know, secure, secure nine to five. And they're they're coming out of love, right? They're coming out of love and protection, not realizing that they're limiting this person's growth. Because if you stay in your comfort zone, you would would die a slow death, right? Like Benjamin Franklin once said, most people die at 25, but aren't buried until they're 75. Because most people, they're, they're not living to become the greatest version of themselves. They're just staying in the same place, but there, there's no such thing, right? Tony Robbins says that any given time you're either growing or you're dying. And that's why that quote is so powerful. So I, I believe that the main way a person can get unstuck is to surround themselves with people who are on the same journey, people who inspire them, who motivate them, and who truly want them to become the greatest version of themselves. So let me follow up with that and peel back the layers a little bit. How does one, again, who, who, who maybe has a desire for more, how do they evaluate their circle? What questions do they need to ask themselves, right? Because you you, sh- you just said it. Their friends, you know, yeah, they might be hacking on them a little bit if they're trying something new or doing something that, they, that they're, not, they're not doing. But how does one evaluate and potentially separate themselves from a, a, a circle that is leading them nowhere, but do it in a way to where you don't just, you don't want to just, you don't want to lose all your friends, Right. Yeah. You guys are just going in different directions. So how do they how do they accomplish that? How do they evaluate? What questions do they need to ask themselves? That's a great question. The question that they should be asking themselves is, are the people that I'm surrounding myself with 
helping me level up, helping me grow, helping me get to the next level. And if you, if they look at their friends and they look at their habits, right? If you look at like, you, we are what we repeatedly do. So if you're, if you're surrounding yourself with these three guy friends and most of what they do is they like going out to the clubs, they like smoking, drinking, hanging out with different girls. And they're, you know, just, you know, they got a part-time job and they're living with their mom. It's like, all you have to do is look at their results. And so if you mm -hmm. ask yourself, do I want my life to be a reflection of what my friend's life is? And if the answer is no, that should be like the first wake up call. Right. And that's how you should evaluate. And the truth is, is that the best way to help your friends is to first create space. Right. Because in order to attract the right people into your life, you first have to get rid of the wrong people in your, into your life. Because if you're, only ever surrounded with the wrong people in your life, there's no space to allow the right people into your life. And so you have to create space. And so you have to create some distance. And I'm not saying, you know, never see them again, but maybe right. from seeing them four days a week, go to like one or two days a week. And those other one to two days a week, go on meetup.com and find people in environments of whatever it is that you want to be a part of. Like if you want to become a real estate investor, there's a ton of real estate events and they're free. Go to these real estate meetups. If you want to go to entrepreneurship meetups or whatever it is, but you have to create space from the wrong people and make space for the right people. Yeah, that's, that's great advice, man. Just go to one of the groups, right? Go, go essentially be a fly on the wall. If you have to, you don't have to, you know, meet people, mingle and stuff like that, but at the same, just listen, just listen. And you're going to hear things that, you are not currently hearing in your current circle, right? Yep. So really quickly, if you could give, and this is, a, if you could give a two minute or less masterclass right now on how to choose great friends, what would you tell people to do? That's a great question. So how to choose great friends? Great question. So one of my good friends uh, that I've known since high school um, we've been wanting to hang out, uh, haven't got the chance recently, but he's going to be coming over this week. And what we're going to do is we're going to create vision boards for 2023, right? Kind of like the secret, the law mm -hmm. of attraction, and we're going to create goals in every aspect of our life, health, fitness, relationships, finances, career investments. And that that's a sign of a good friend. Why? Because you're getting together, not to drink, not to party, not to, you know, get wasted or smoke weed but to actually talk about how we're going to become the next greatest you know, uh, version of ourselves in every aspect of your life, because to truly win in life, you got to be winning in every area. And that is a great way how you can evaluate if, if you're surrounding yourself with the right people. It's like, what are you guys talking about? That's like the number one thing, because most people, mm -hmm. when they surround themselves with friends, all they do is gossip and then they, they have bad habits, right? But this yeah. is a good habit. Like if you meet up with a friend where you guys work out, you go on the sauna, uh, you guys go on a hike or you're talking about business or how to improve your relationships or your health, like that is a good sign right there. Yeah. And you know, people, whether you're mixed in the wrong circle or not, you know, if you just stop, critically think for just a second, get those wheels upstairs turning for just a second, you know, and can decipher that your conversation is not productive, that
that what you, the activities you are engaged in are not actually productive, right? What do you get when you go home from the bar, right? You paid a bill, you spent too much on the alcohol, you got toasted, you barely made it home, right? (laughs) It's like, it's not hard to decipher what's productive and what is not, right? So, all right, Jorge, so you have, you have turned the corner, okay? That catalyst just happened, you turned the corner and now you are well on your way, new mindset, new mindset in hand, right? So I'm curious after that, what were your first accomplishments? Great question. So there were, there was a lot. Um, one, because of that training, uh, I actually got engaged during that training to my wife. Uh, you know, we were together for four years. So we got engaged that four years, married the following year. And now we're married for five years and we have two beautiful daughters, a three and a half year old and a five month old. So that's a wow. big accomplishment uh, on the personal side. Uh, two is, you know, just really valuing uh, our health. Right. And so like mm-hmm. now I have a personal trainer that comes, you know, three days a week to my house. We work out here in my garage. We got a setup, And then I go another two days uh, to like an F45 where it's like group, you know, hit workouts. Um, I have a chef at home that cooks every day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, you know, makes my, my, my green smoothies here, right. Every single day. So we've created great habits to give us the, the levels of energy that I need in order to become the greatest version of myself, you know, on the business side, you know, we own, um, over $8 million worth of real estate. And of course now we have a, you know, multiple seven figure businesses. So basically every, every aspect of my life has, you know, really, you know, gone to the next level because of, you know, those trainings and because of turning the corner. (laughs) Yeah, no joke, man. So, okay. So let's talk. um, I was going to go into the Airbnb side of thing because I know you're passionate about that, but I'm going to, I'm going to make you wait a little bit longer if that's all right. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So it, it sounds to me like you have an Airbnb business, but you also have real estate, correct? Yep. Okay. So if someone, let's, let's stick on the real estate side for a second. So if someone says they're listening to this and they say, okay, well, that sounds cool. I want to get into real estate. I mean, he's living a great life. He's got a great family. He's got great kids as a chef. He has a trainer. He has all these things, you know, um, don't let envy seep in. That's what I'm going to tell you right now. Do not be envious. You can achieve the same things. And Jorge is here generously giving of himself to provide that information to help you do so, right? So before that evil envy seeks seeks in your mind, shut it off quick, all right? Right. So Jorge, what, if someone wants to get into real estate, man, let's just, just give them a quick, well, I mean, you can, you have time, um, yeah. a synopsis of, you know, how to prepare? What do you need to learn? What is because you can't just go in guns blazes. You're, you're going to lose your shirt, you know. Right. Um, so educate us on on what it takes and and how to really make a decision on whether or not you should go into the real estate side of things. Right. So uh, you said whether or not, or like how to go into it. Yeah. If someone says, "Hey, I know I want to do this," yeah, help them avoid uh, avoid any hangups. Or yeah, as absolutely. many as you can. <laughs> yeah. One of the mistakes I made when I invested into my real estate education is that I bought um, 
I bought the highest level course, right? $35,000. And it came with like seven different strategies. So commercial, residential, flipping, wholesaling, property management. Mm. It was everything. And once I took all the classes, I was like, oh man, what do I do? Where do I go? (laughs) All the strategies sounded good. You know, people were making money with all the strategies. And I just felt uh, just sort of paralyzed. I was like, man, I I don't don't really Mm -hmm. know what to move forward with. So my recommendation is to pick one strategy when it comes to real estate, right? Whatever it is, just pick one strategy and go all in on that. And I still remember one of my mentors uh, about five years ago uh, gave me this example. And he said, Jorge, imagine you are on this island and you want to get to this island. He said, how many bridges do you need? Because the mistake most people make, Brad, is they, they get this idea, they start a business, they build a bridge don't complete the bridge. And then they get this new idea and they got next thing you know, is they got five incomplete bridges when all they needed was one bridge to get from this Island, to this Island. And in the book, the one thing by Gary Keller, he says, what is the one thing that if you did that successfully, it would make everything else easier or unnecessary. And Mm -hmm. he also says in the book, if you try to chase two rabbits at once, you will catch neither. And, you know, the the last part to drive my point is, yes, the average millionaire has seven streams of income, but nobody said they built seven streams of income at the same time. So my point is pick one thing, go all in on that one thing and say no to everything else until you've maximized its fullest potential. And then if you like, you can go and build, you know, another bridge. But in many cases, if you put that same energy that you would build into that second stream of income, but put it into your primary where you're already an expert at that at that point, man, like I have two streams of income and I'm an eight-figure entrepreneur. It's like I don't I don't need a third one or a fourth one or a fifth one. Like there's people that have one business and it makes more than someone else's 20 businesses. Right. So yeah. now that's what I would say is pick one strategy within real estate and go all in on that one thing. That's right. You have to have a focus. You have to have a focus to pour your energy into, and you're going to learn things in that space. And if you decide you want to get into something else, then you will be more free because at that point you can hire people, right? right? You can hire people to keep people, the bridge operating properly, and you can go somewhere else and build another bridge and do the same thing. Then it's just about about, uh, duplication, taking what you've learned, becoming more of an expert in, in on a different type of bridge. So Absolutely. it makes a lot of sense because I, I used to be that guy, man. I used to be like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. And I was chasing like six rabbits. <laughs> You're not going to catch any of them. Been there, done yeah. That. Yeah. You, and it's true. You're, that is a beautiful analogy. If you try to chase two rabbits, you're not going to catch either one. That's hundred percent correct. Um, so Jorge, what, again, talking for the same person who's looking at getting into real estate. I mean, what are, what are just a few of those strategies out of the seven and how, I guess, how would they choose what would be most achievable for them? Yeah, great question. You know, uh, personally, I focus on on Airbnbs, right? And there's there's really three strategies when it comes to starting uh, a short-term rental business. You could purchase real estate, which is a lot more straightforward. The second option is to go and manage other people's Airbnbs, right? The way that works is imagine, Brad, you have a short-term rental, but you're busy with your businesses, your podcast. You're like, you know what? I want the benefits of having an Airbnb business. 
without having to be involved. Like I want to be hands off. I want to hire somebody that could just manage it for me. If I was to manage your Airbnb, I can take a percentage of the revenue, say like an 80, 20 split, you take 80%, you pay me 20% uh, in exchange to manage and create a hands-off experience to you, Brad. And then I'm now making 20%. So if the property is making 5K a month, I'm making a thousand a month. If it's making 10K a month, I'm making 2000 a month. And I, as the co-host and manager, didn't have to put any money out of pocket. So it's essentially a profit. That's one way. The most popular way today is subleasing, also known as arbitrage. This would be like if you have a property, Brad, and you're looking for a tenant for the next 12 months and you're renting it out for, say, 2500 bucks a month. If I was to rent that property and from you on a 12-month lease but get permission in writing to utilize it for my short-term rental business, I can now go and furnish it, rent it on Airbnb, and let's say I make $5,000 a month in gross revenue, right? I pay you $2,500, I'll pay some utilities, and I hopefully would end up with about $2,000 in net cash flow. So that subleasing opportunity has become extremely popular over the last few years uh, because mm -hmm. the leverage, the scalability, right? Typically, you know, the goal should be to own the real estate. All day. That should be the goal is to own, to yeah. own the real estate, because that is where you're going to get all the benefits of owning real estate. And that is where you create long term wealth. That said, most people are not in a position to drop 15, 20 percent plus furniture. You're talking hundreds of thousands um, unless you do like an owner occupied strategy. But for most people to buy an investment property is going to be a couple hundred thousand. But with that, we know with, with, with 15, 20 grand, you could launch your first property utilizing the subleasing strategy. And it's strictly a cash flow play because you don't get the equity, the appreciation, or the tax benefits of owning the real estate, but you will get all the cash flow. And so when people want to replace their nine to five, this is the most effective way to do that with two to three Airbnbs on the subleasing side. You know, 90% of America could replace their nine to five's income. That's cool. Do you are you have you found that most um, most owners are willing to to sign the sublease? You know, I would say about thirty to forty percent are open. A lot of it has to do with your pitch, your credibility, your experience, mm -hmm. and you know just how you present the opportunity as well. Uh, but yeah, about thirty right. to forty percent are open to it. Okay, so there is there is a process involved in in Absolutely. actually finding those properties that will allow you to do that. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a process for sure. Yeah. And so you do, if you, if you're thinking about getting into us, first thing you have to do, your mindset has to be right, obviously. And yep. you have to be willing to hear no. It surprises me, man, how so many people even to this day are just not willing to hear no or not. They just, they go cry in a corner after hearing no. <laughs> you yep, know what absolutely. I'm saying? It's crazy. It's just a no. If we go to the next one, right? Yep. Um, so, Let's see. So, man, so what else, what are some other pieces of information, some vital pieces of information that people should be aware of up front if they really want to say, okay, Jorge makes a lot of sense. I like this cash flow play uh, because I can't buy my, buy a property. I can't buy a house yet. Everything's so expensive, inflation, whatever. Um, but what are some things they should be aware of up front that can Definitely. help them make their decision? Yeah. There's three steps to getting your foot in the door with uh, subleasing. Number one mm -hmm. is you have to call the building department of that city in order to verify if you can get a permit to operate a short-term rental, right? That's the very first thing. 
The second thing is there's two pieces of softwares that we use. There's AirDNA and MashVisor. And these two softwares allow us to see the revenue and occupancy of other Airbnbs in the area, similar to the property that we want to rent to use for Airbnb. So if I see that there's already properties, if I see there's three properties similar to the one I want to get into, and they're already making 5,000 a month, and I can rent a similar property for half of that, then it's a no brainer. And those softwares, which they're not free softwares, they're paid data softwares that you have to buy into, they will give you that data and information in order to make a you know educated decision. And the third thing is getting permission in writing from the owner, right? The, the contract must say your name has permission to use this property as a short-term rental and to change the locks because in all lease agreements, it says in bulk, no subleasing because right. it's intended for you to live there. But if you speak to the owners and get permission in writing, then you can you know, add some terminology on there and boom, now you have a sustainable, scalable business. You get the permit, you verify the numbers are good, you got permission in writing, boom, that's really all you need. So real quick side question, that software you spoke of, is it, is what's the buy-in on that? Is it, is it, uh, what's the investment for that? So with AirDNA, it works everywhere in the world. And if you buy the one that works everywhere in the world, it's pretty expensive. It's like about 7,000 a year, or Mm -hmm. you could buy the data just for a city and it might be 50 or 150 bucks. Okay. Right. Like, hey, I want to know the data to Dallas, Texas. Be like, okay, my, yeah. I don't know the exact numbers, but it, it'll be somewhere between 50 and like $150. Right. But of course, when you want all the cities all over the world, then it, that's why it gets pretty pricey. With uh, right. MatchVisor, it works everywhere in the US except Puerto Rico. And that one is only about 800 bucks a year. Okay. Um, so you're getting into the subleasing and now, so, they said the, the owner said yes, you're good to go. Doesn't that doesn't that make you essentially responsible for who you put in there, right? To sublease it to? As far as the people? Yeah, as far as the, the owners of the house. It's 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 the tra- transference of, of responsibility is for well, is on to you now because you're subleasing and now you have to screen your tenants and do all that, right? Yeah, the good thing is utilizing platforms like Airbnb, they do the screening for you. So they they do like the background checks, they, you know, collect their government IDs. And the great thing is, you know, we're living in a social proof economy. So if I if I want to stay at this Airbnb in uh, say Poconos, right, like near New York, and I'm like, oh man, how how can I know if I would have a good experience? It's like, well, look at the reviews, similar to Yelp. If a hundred people gave it an average of a four point eight out of five stars. And their super host, it must be good. And that's the great thing about Airbnb uh, guest as well is that when someone stays at my properties, we give them a review on how they were as guest. And it's a very thorough review process. So when people are staying at our properties, we have the ability to look at what other hosts said about them. Now, obviously, there's always going to be new ho- uh, guests who are staying at an Airbnb for the very first time. And that's perfectly normal. It's just, it's a great sign that, you know, the, this, this uh, industry is growing and more new people are discovering Airbnb. Um, so there's different ways, you know, we, we ask them questions, what brings you into town? How many people are staying? Um, 
and typically I go I, I go for for nicer, higher end properties, and I feel like that also weeds out people that I wouldn't want to have stay at my properties because if it's sure. sixty bucks to stay at my property, I'm going to attract everybody that would stay at a Motel Six, right? <laughs> if you're talking yes. 300, 500, 700 a night. Um, you know, plus cleaning, plus Airbnb's fees, plus transient occupancy tax. Like people are paying a, you know, a pretty high price that is still less than hotels, but it's still relatively high. And you know, people are, you know, the people who again don't, if the people who wouldn't take care of the property typically get weeded out by the prices. Yeah. So is this strategy duplicatable on other? you know, type of, of platforms like v, like VRBO and, and other ones, or is it yes. just kind of specific yeah. to Airbnb? Oh, no, no. All the platforms, it'll work the exact same way. That's awesome. So what are some, and again, I'm, I'm, I like, I'm a discerning kind of guy. I like to get as much information as I can before making a decision, before commenting on something, before, you know, you got to read past the headlines, yep. right? Before, before you can figure out what's going on. So what are some other roadblocks that people might encounter, um, getting into the Airbnb business. And that may make some say, maybe I should or shouldn't do it. Yeah, I would say the the regulation, maybe about 3% of cities don't allow Airbnbs period, or they already cap the permits. So you got to figure out what those 3% of cities are. And the best way is you just call city by city because they change. Maybe every six months or every couple of years, a regulation can change or be adjusted or be implemented if they never had one previously. So that's why uh, you got to call it, you know, the building department to verify, you know, if you can get a permit and if so, how much, how long does it take and all that stuff. But regulation, I would say, is the number one thing. You have to understand what it is in order to determine if you can, if you should try to move forward on a property in that area. Um, Another thing that people should stay away from is properties that are outdated. I always tell my students only launch properties that are fully renovated. Otherwise, you're going to get requests for partial refunds. Uh, people are going to arrive to the property and be like, oh, my God, this property, you know, it smells weird. It needs a lot of work. It needs a new paint job. It needs a new floor. So stay away from outdated properties. Another thing is stay away from properties that are near uh, train tracks uh, for obvious reasons. Like I've had people. Um, <laughs> yes. Just imagine there's family coming in. They're super tired from traveling on the plane, you know, plus time change. They want to get to the property and take a nap. And then there's a train, you know, a block away. That doesn't let them sleep. So I would just stay away from properties like that. And also, lastly, stay away from properties that are on a main street. They can definitely work, but it's just prefer- preferable, <clears throat> excuse me, to be in a in a nice residential neighborhood away from the main streets. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I get there after yeah. traveling all day, and then the train. No, man, I'd I'd be mad. Oh goodness. Um, Jorge, so what is, again, I know I keep asking, I don't want to be uh, redundant here, but um, what is what is the one one last piece of empowering information? Because you you made it clear, man, when we talked uh, pre-show, you, you made it clear that your passion for Airbnb business, how lucrative it is, how, um, you know, how, essentially you, you've streamlined the processes clearly. You know what you're doing. It's easier for you. Or maybe you have people that do it for you. Um, so I guess what is, how can people, I, I guess, um, you know, because again, we, we always we always try to sabotage ourselves, right? Sometimes in making decisions, right? So 
what is what can somebody expect as far as initial investment to, to at least do it in the mid the midway? Like you don't have to go all out and buy everything sure. and you know you don't want to skimp. But what kind of initial investment um, can people expect if, if they decide to do this? As far as investment, I would say the range that I get people is ten thousand to thirty thousand. You know, with ten thousand, you could launch a studio or like a one bedroom apartment. You'll pay the first month, the uh, the first month's rent, the deposit, and the furniture, and you'll be good to go, right? Even if the rent is like you know fifteen hundred a month, now you're in three thousand with the first month and the, the deposit. And if it's just a studio, you can furnish that whole thing with like seven grand, and boom. And then, of course, if you wanted to go for a larger property, like a single family home with three, four or five bedrooms, maybe it has a pool, a jacuzzi, a game room, you know, that's going to be more in the 20 to 30 range, depending on the location. But the profit's going to be way better than the studio. But I always tell people, do what you can with what you have where you are, because a mistake yeah. that people make is they're like, well, I have enough to do the studio, Jorge, but I'm not going to start instead. I'm going to save up until I get enough for the house. And that's a huge mistake because I would say I've been doing this for a long time and I've been a coach for 15 years. And people who say that they're just using that as an excuse to not take action. And they always find a reason to justify their lack of action. Right now, they have a great reason, right? We have a recession, but they should still be taking action as long as it's educated and calculated action. And if they have a proven system and, um, you know, because you know, if you look at person A who starts with the studio and then they reinvest those profits and maybe eight months later they got a house, the person who waited in eight months, they have another reason why at that point they can't get started. So I would say do what you can with what you have, where you are, focus on progress, not perfection. Yeah. Going back to excuses, right? Yes. <laughs> and like you to get results or excuses, you can't have both. That's right. That's right. So yeah, exactly. Take Take the thousand or two thousand from the studio, right? Save it up, pay it off, whatever, and and, and then progress. Absolutely. So, I'm, I was curious: Will banks like if someone says, "Okay, ten thousand bucks, man, I don't even have that to even start with the studio level." I mean, will banks loan for this type of business? Well, they won't. You're not going to go in there and ask for a short-term rental loan, but you can get business or personal loans. Um, and, you know, typically people, when they when they uh, apply for a business loan, the most common thing or a personal loan to say it's for a home renovation, because if you tell a bank, oh, yeah, I want to borrow 10 grand so I can go invest it. It could be anything, stocks, crypto, real estate. They're going to be like, oh, we don't want to lend you for that. That's too risky. Right. They're going to say no right. to anything that's investing related. So ideally, you want to say it's for a home renovation. That's like the most common, uh, you know, reason that they approve for it. Um, there's also something called a balance transfer from a credit card where you could transfer money from a credit card into a checking account and it's 0% interest for up to 21 months. Like if, for all the listeners, if you guys go on Google and you just type uh, balance transfer credit card promotions, it's going to be all these websites. Find the one that says NerdWallet, NerdWallet.com. He already did. I don't even know who this guy is. I'm not sponsored. I don't get commission on any of this, but I always refer this website to my students because he will do a apples to apples, side by side to side comparison of all the best credit cards. They'll tell you the credit requirement, which is typically 680. Uh, most of these cards are, are have a zero annual fee. So imagine, right, you took 15 grand, or let's just use 20. It's an easier number. You took 20 grand, transferred that from the credit card into the checking account using the balance transfer promotion. 
And let's say once you you took that money to pay the first month, the deposit and the furniture, but let's say you started making 2000 a month in profit, assuming you did this correctly, it would only take 10 months to pay off the credit card. The powerful thing, Brad, is you never had to use any of your money. And one of the things that I've learned about ultra wealthy people is they almost never use their money. They always leverage other people's money and other people's resources. Imagine you took, uh, let's use 20,000. It's an easier number. You took 20,000, transferred it from a credit card into a checking account. And just to clarify, some haters in the comments or somebody always comments on my videos and they're like, you can't actually do that. You can only use a credit card to pay off another credit card. And that's true. You could pay, use a credit card to pay off another credit card, but you can also use the money from a credit card and it goes into a checking account. Like my last job, Brad, was 15 years ago. I worked at Bank of America. I was a personal banker. I would open up personal checking accounts, business checking accounts. I did loans for people uh, for purchasing real estate. And I would process these balance transfers all day long. Like we got a ton of credit for doing these. So like this is what I used to live and breathe. Okay. So wow. money goes from the credit card into the checking account, 0% interest for 21 months. And let's say you had the right blueprint because people can lose money on Airbnb just like they can in any other business. But let's assume you had the right blueprint and you did this correctly and now you're making 2000 a month in net cash flow from one Airbnb. It would only take 10 months to pay off the credit card. But the powerful thing, Brad, is, is that you never had to use any of your money. And one of the things yeah. that I've learned from ultra wealthy entrepreneurs is they almost never use their money. Why? Because no matter how much money you have, if you keep launching deals every week, you're going to run out of money, but you can never run out of other people's money. So if you become an expert at you leveraging the bank's money, aka other people's money, uh, you can you know create infinite levels of wealth. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So what what would you say to someone who is who, who they've they've been listening for the last hour? They've heard everything. They've heard me ask you questions different ways and getting all got pieces all kinds of pieces of great information out and what would you say to to this person who's listening and says yeah yeah it still can't be done um and i believe they're right because at the end of the day right if you say it it can be done that's true for you and if you believe it mm. can be done that's true for you so personally i i, I don't know, i don't have the energy to argue with people <laughs> that's right not something works because it's just a waste of time um, I have thousands of students that are implementing these strategies, hundreds of students that have left their nine to fives because they replaced it. So it works for them. And to the naysayer who says this doesn't work, that's only a reflection of their life. They feel that nothing works only because they don't work. So I believe that if you that's do right. work, it could work for you. That's right. They're stuck making excuses. They are in the excuse matrix, bro. <laughs> True. Right? Yes. Oh my gosh. All right, brother. So we are we are getting close to the end here, and I ask this question um, every time at the end of a of a special guest episode like this. And so here it is for you, Mister Contreras. If you could leave the audience with just one thing, one thing, it's going to be tough that they could start doing right now that would set them on the path to becoming undeniable. What would that one thing be? Get a coach. Whatever it is that you want mm. to be great at, find someone who already has the results and outcome that you desire, go and pay them and learn from them. It'll, it'll speed, speed up your success and success loves speed. Nice. 
Great answer, my man. Jorge, how can people connect with you if they just you know want to reach out? I know your time is limited with everything that you're doing. If they have an interest in working with you, um, take as long as you need to tell us about that and how they can connect with you. Absolutely. You guys can connect with me on my Instagram. It's at the Jorge Contreras. So at and it's a T-H-E Jorge Contreras. Um, make sure it's the one It has about 143,000 followers because there's a ton of fake accounts out there. Uh, maybe if you can mm. link the right one in the show notes, because I don't want them to message the wrong account. And then the second thing is I'm hosting a five-day challenge uh, January 23rd through the 27th. So you guys can also come check that out. It's going to be a five-day challenge on building a six-figure Airbnb business without owning real estate. Awesome. What's the website for that, Jorge, if they want to get signed up now? Yeah, it's a six-figure challenge, um, sixfigurechallenge.com, or they can come to my Instagram and check out the link in bio. Awesome. And I will link the correct uh, handle for Instagram and the correct website yes. for this challenge in the show notes. So don't worry about that. It will be there. By the way, last thing, Jorge, before yep. we go, did I did I say the name correctly in yes, the many times did. that I said it? Yes, you did. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jorge, I hope this is not the last time we come on this show, man. I welcome you back anytime. Um, and I, I hope you will come back. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today, for the wealth of knowledge that you have decided and so freely given to the audience. Uh, I thank you and I'm sure they thank you as well. Man, I appreciate you. Godspeed to you. Thank you, man. Appreciate the opportunity, Brad, and uh, hope to be back soon. Yes, sir. We, we welcome you anytime. Thank you. Well, that is it for this episode. I hope that it brought you some authentic value into your life. If you did not hear any nuggets that were undeniably valuable to you from this episode, then something is wrong with you, man, because you clearly were not listening. So before you go listen to another episode, pay the toll so we can roll. What that means is share the show, leave a nice review because it helps us grow the show and so we can inspire the masses. That's what we want to do. We want to provide undeniable value for people to help people win and excel. Remember, you cannot become undeniable if you are uninformed. And make sure you always bless up mom. And I'm out.